If you would, turn in your Bibles to the book of Esther. We're going to be in chapter 4 tonight as we continue our series on Sunday night about God and how God works within our lives. And tonight we want to see that, that God is working. The truth is God is working in our lives even when we do not see it. Everyone can identify with the fact that there is seasons of nature. In other words, we go through seasons of life as well. There are days that are warm. There are days that are bright. And there are days that are sunny. And then there's other days like this. But you know what? We have to go through all of them, don't we? And the thing is, is that it might be bright or it might be a day that's cold, dark, and bitter. But it is important to remember this, folks, that regardless of the season you are in in life right now, as a believer, regardless of the season that you are in or what you've been through or what you're heading into, God is at work in your life and in my life and in this church, in this community, and in this world. So you and I must decide for ourselves Either God is God or God is not God. We either need to decide whether we agree that God is God and we're going to give Him total control, or He's not God and we're going to just flounder and try to do the best on our own. It's called sovereignty. God is sovereign. And i got news for anybody. It doesn't matter whether you think God is or God is not. God is, He was, and always has been, and always will be God. And whether you approve of it or not, and I approve of it or not, it does not matter. There is no bill that Congress can pass. There is no executive order that our president can write. There is no bomb that can overtake God. He is God. And He has. He is at work. So... Your decision on that does not affect God. However, it plays a great impact on your life, your outlook, and the hope that you and I have. Uh, Talking about that, I don't know if you've ever been in a situation like this, but I thought about the term radio silence. Uh, Over the years as I have volunteered as a firefighter, I've, I've had to use a radio to either talk to people that are on the ground to get help or even have to talk to whatever the the central dispatcher is to relay information, to see what people coming in need and all that kind of stuff like that. And there are times to where the radios don't work. There are times when the tower is down. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you, it is very tough and almost scary when you talk on the radio and nobody is there. And when you wait to hear a response and there is nobody there. That's a scary point in life. That, that's not where you want to be. But you know what? It's one thing you may or may not be able to identify with, with me in that, but you will identify with me on this fact, is there are times when God is silent. There are times when you want a word from God and He's not going to give it to you. There are times where you pursue God and He's still silent. And there are times where you have walked away from God and God is silent. I've often wondered why God is silent. And I've pretty much learned in my life, God is silent because He wants us to come to Him and to depend upon Him. So as we look at the book of Esther tonight, we're going to be in chapter 4, and we will see the providential care of God for His people. In other words, God promised long ago in Scripture that He would protect the people of Israel, that they were His chosen people. 
And he will protect them. And he will protect you and I, even when he seems to be absent. Following God is not easy because we are not in control. Amen? It's hard to follow God when we're not in control. But if we were in control, we'd have no need for Him. So I kind of think it's better to be out of control and need Him than to be in control and feel like we don't need Him. So instead of making God meet our needs according to our plans, we must adjust our plans to meet His plan, which is far better than anything we could ever dream up. You see, there is always a risk to following God. There is a cost. As a child of God, it is up to us to decide which is better, living in our limited understanding and power or trusting God and living in His power. So just a little bit of a backstory before we get to our passage tonight. If you remember the book of Esther and the story of Esther, there is drama, there's intrigue, and there's romance. And there's even murder. The book of Esther tells us of the real destruction of the Jewish people. It tells us how one Jewish woman named Esther risked her life to save her people. You see, God had a special relationship with the nation of Israel. They were, as I said a moment ago, His chosen people. And with this status, that often was a benefit to them. But it also, others did not understand that. Other nations, other countries, other people groups did not understand that. So they were often threatened by that. They feared them. So as the Persian Empire spread across the world, it became more and more difficult for Jewish people to worship God and to maintain their identity. So no matter what happened, good or bad, God has promised To maintain a remnant. You know what a remnant is, right? A group of people that are left behind. He he promised the Israelites. In other words, I will break you and I will punish you, but I will never fully wipe you out like I did long ago in the days of Noah. There will always be a remnant. There will always be a rebuilding. And so we see that of the remnant, we pick up the story. Esther is part of that remnant. Esther is the survivor. She was an orphan and she was raised by her cousin Mordecai. Mordecai felt the need to hide her cultural identity as a Jew. In other words, they didn't make it known that she was Jewish. And Esther also knew what it meant to be an outsider. But even in all of this, God had a purpose. And God has a purpose for you tonight. Even when they didn't see it at the time. You see, Esther was taken from Mordecai as a young girl. And she was selected to be the king's wife for one reason and one reason only. She was drop-dead gorgeous. She was beautiful. And King Xerxes would be going, is like going to the grocery store. I want this one, this one, this one, and this one. So she was young and she was beautiful. And she was selected to be King Xerxes' wife. But also with that, Because he was the most powerful ruler, and because there was an age gap between the bride and the groom, there was definitely no power in her relationship with him between Esther and King Xerxes. And also King Xerxes had an advisor. His name was Haman, H-A-M-A-N. 
And he hated Mordecai and he hated the Jews. He disliked their ethnicity. He disliked their culture. He disliked their religious beliefs. He was a bigot. He was the term that people like to throw around today, a racist. He was as racist as they come, according to the Bible and according to his prejudices against the Jews. So, Haman convinced the king that the resistance of some of the Jews, they, they were causing a threat. And so he convinced Xerxes to sign an edict that called for the extermination of the Jewish people through the Persian Empire. Sound familiar? Where someone tried to extinguish the entire race? Horrible times in history for civil rights and human rights. The Jews have always been picked on. The Jews have always been used to show God's plan. And it has not always been pleasant. But yet there is still a plan. And the date was set when the Persian military would be mobilized to kill the Jews in every city and province in the kingdom. And then this is where we pick up the story tonight. So if you've got your Bibles open to chapter 4, verse 1. We're going to read verses 1 through 7. It says, When Mordecai learned about all this that had been done, he tore his clothes, he put on burlap and ashes, and went out into the city crying with a loud and bitter wail. So if you don't know this, especially back in Old Testament times, and we know that David did this too, is that when people were grieving, they would tear off their clothes. That wasn't because they were trying to streak. That wasn't because they were trying to um, make some public spectacle of themselves. They would rip their clothes so there would be nothing between them and the Lord. It was a sign of mourning. The burnt ashes were also a sign of mourning as well. And then we see that verse 2, it says, He went as far as the gate of the palace, for no one was allowed to enter the palace gate while wearing clothes of mourning. And as news of the king's decree reached all the provinces, there was a great mourning among the Jews. They had just had a price put on their head. It says they fasted, they wept, and they wailed, and many people lay in burlap and ashes. When Queen Esther's maids and eunuchs came and told her about Mordecai, she was deeply distressed. She sent clothing to him to replace the burlap, but he refused it. Then Esther sent for Hattat, one of the king's eunuchs who had been assigned to her as an attendant. He ordered, she ordered him to go to Mordecai and find out what was troubling him and why he was mourning. So Hatter went and Mordecai, to Mordecai in the square in front of the palace gate. Mordecai told him the whole story, including the exact amount of money that Haman had promised to pay into the royal treasury for the destruction of the Jews. So Haman wanted this. He wanted it so bad that he paid for it. So what we get for our first point here is that we need to look for God even when it seem, he seems to be hiding. We need to look for God even though, even when he seems to be hiding. Growing up as a kid, I always used to love playing hide and go seek. 
I always used to try to find the perfect hiding place. Were y'all like that? Oh yeah, we all, we ought to just cut the lights off and try it now. You want to? Yeah. Yeah, I know you would. But, but no. I always like hiding. I always hated being the one that was it. Where you had to go find all of them because then when you found them, you had to catch them. And when you were a husky little boy like I was, that was never a fair fight. But, it's one thing to play hide and go seek as a kid. It's another thing to feel like that God is hiding from you. The truth of the matter is God does not hide from us. God does not hide from you. Often we are the ones hiding from him. Like Adam and Eve did. When we are so consumed with ourselves, our eyes cannot focus on anything, especially him. So as we get back to the story, while God's plan was hidden from Mordecai and the Jews, he was still at work. They were shaking in their boots. They were marked. They had an expiration date. They knew that this was coming. Isn't it great to know that the Bible doesn't gloss over real fears, real crisis, real pain and grief? I mean, it's giving us the full story of what they thought. Some, sometimes cults and other people that try to rewrite the Bible for their own glorification, they will leave out things that are unpleasant. But no, the Bible tells you everything from front to back. There is no fake news in Scripture. <laughs> they were fearful. They were at risk. They didn't know what to do. You ever been in that situation? Fearful? and at risk and not knowing what to do, you can identify with them. All they could do was either wait for the hammer to fall or for God to move. That's a very frustrating place to be where you got to hurry up and do nothing. The old hurry up and wait, you know, you go and you get a test done and then you have to wait another week for the, the doctor's office to be able to, to put all that together. It's frustrating, isn't it? Well... The Jews did what they could. And when we are in that situation, when we feel like that we have to wait and that we are having a hard time hearing God, we can do what we can. Although many had never been to Israel, they had never seen the temple and they had never set foot in the promised land. They were taught the ways of the Lord and they were taught to have faith in God. If you see in verse 3, what does it say they do? They fasted, they wept, and they wailed. And many people lay in burlap and ashes They were returning to the Lord. They were pleading to the Lord. They were grieving. There are times in your life and my life where we feel like God is hiding and all we can do is lay ourselves on his altar and plead for him to work. He knows the plan. We don't. His people were seeking him just as we do today. The book of Esther gives us an important insight into the God that keeps his promises even when he seems to be working behind the scenes. The second thing that we see is that when God is working, you and I must play our part. When God is working, you and I must play our part. Verses 8 through 14, let's read that. Mordecai gave Hattach a copy of the decree issued in Susa that called for the death of all Jews. He asked Hathak to show it to Esther and explain the situation to her He also asked Hathak to direct her to go to the king and beg for mercy and plead for her people. So Hathak returned to Esther with Mordecai's message. 
So here it is. Cousin Mordecai. Cousin Mordecai is very, very upset. And so he tells his cousin who is in a better place that has a position to where she may be able to do something and says, please help us. Verse 10 says, Then Esther told Hathak, Go back and relay this message to Mordecai. All the king's officials and even the people and the provinces know that anyone who appears before the king in his inner court without being invited is doomed to die unless the king holds out his gold scepter. And the king has not called for me to come to him for 30 days. So Hathat gave Esther's message to Mordecai. What has Esther just said to him? Look, I'd like to, but I might die if I try, is what, what she said. Well, verse 13, Mordecai replied back to Esther, Don't think for a moment that because you're in the palace, you will escape when all the other Jews are killed. If you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place. But you and your relatives will die. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for such a time as this. And that's the the key phrase there, for such a time as this. One thing that we all have in common is this. We all have a crisis of faith moment to fulfill God's purpose. All of us at some point, at one time or another, are going to be called to make a hard decision. Just like the position Esther is being put in right now. And God's purpose begins to unfold by verse 14. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for such a time as this. Esther nor Mordecai still did not have all the answers. Only the fact that they could play a hand in the cards that they were dealt. I've probably told you this before, but I remember talking to my friend that is my age who was, who was diagnosed with a, a type of lung cancer many years ago. We almost lost him. And I just, I said, how did you go through that? And he said, well, you know what? I just played the cards that were dealt. And you know, especially those of you that have some mileage on you, and even you young kids will know, even in your young life, sometimes you can't do anything about what life deals you. You just got to play it out. And have to trust that God is in control. Well, Esther had to exercise her faith to make a personal choice to exercise that faith at the risk of possibly death. And the risk of backing away from whatever plan God had for her. You and I make the same choices every day to risk our safety for his purposes. To risk our safety for his purposes. It doesn't matter what age you are. When these kids go to school tomorrow, they're going to be asked to do things and they're going to be pressured to do things that most everybody else will do. But it's going to take a lot for them to stand apart and say, yep, nope, I'm not going to do it. Even if they get ridiculed. Even if they get some kind of pushback. Some of you, as when you were working and even today, you may have somebody say, look, just fudge on this. Just check this here or don't check this there or just, 
you know, don't, don't, she didn't give you correct change back. Don't correct her because she's, she, she gave you back more than you, you should have got. Meanwhile, you don't know that that waitress or that, that register runner is going to have to make up the difference out of their paycheck at the end of the night. We all have choices to make, don't we? And very few of us will be able to make choices that are life and death, but you never know. We might. We might be put in that situation. But for Esther, this was her defining moment. What is a defining moment? One person's choices, they have consequences that extend far beyond whatever he or she could ever imagine. Little did we know that our plan to go to Helen, Georgia would unfold the way it did. Little did we know that the decisions that we make today unfold tomorrow. We don't know. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. That's why we have to trust God and we have to have defining moments. And our defining moments are meant to give glory to God. In the best and worst of times, as the things that you have been through, the hard times that you've been through, and the hard times that are ahead of you, their purpose is not to punish you. Their purpose is to show God's glory through you. You never know. The trial that you're going through may be for the person sitting beside you. It may be for a family member. It may be for a neighbor. It may be for someone you don't even know. Our defining moments are meant to give glory to God. And the third thing that we see is that risks always accompany God's work. If you are going to do the will of God, there will be risk in it. If there is no risk, you are not walking with God. If it never costs you something. We see in verses 15 through 17, as we read that, It says, Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. Verse 16. Go and gather all the Jews of Susa and fast for me. In other words, go without food. Fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, nights or a day. My maids and I will do the same. And then, though it is against the law, I will go. I will go in to see the king. If I must die, I must die. So Mordecai went away and did everything as Esther had ordered him. Don't tell me that the Bible doesn't make women out to be heroes. There are many heroic women in the Bible. Powerful women in the Bible. And especially in the Old Testament, I think of Esther. I think of Ruth. Esther is young. Bryce, she was probably about your age. Maybe a year or two older. She was young. Yet here she is. She's willing to give her life for her people. She's resolved it. You may remember a missionary named Jim Elliott. He said this, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. 
He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain to what he cannot lose. I was doing some research and I found out that there was even back in 2018, around November, there was a young man that was reaching out to a group of Indians overseas on a small remote island and they killed him with arrows just recently and they went to go get his body and as the boat pulled up all the Indians were there on the shore with their bows ready to shoot anybody that came close there are still people that are literally giving their life to serve God and we give our lives though it may not be in a grandiose way like that we still give up our comforts we give up our preferences we give up our traditions we give up our our comfort so that we can do what God has called us to do and sometimes that means God pulling us out of our comfort zone and being silent just so that we can work out our faith Esther had reason to feel God had abandoned her. You ever had a pity party and feel like God's picking on you? I've had those moments. There are times where I thought that God was just getting his amusement by watching me squirm. And that was so not, that's not the God of the Bible. That is not who God is. That is the way Satan twisted my mind and my understanding of my surroundings. In my occurrences. Don't let him do that to you. She was a Jewish immigrant who was hiding her identity. She was an orphan whose nearest relative was her older cousin. And as a young girl, she had to marry an older man who was not a believer and not very interested in her. She was one of many wives. If you, if you read, it says that she hasn't seen him in 30 days. The point is, don't let your circumstances speak for God. Let God speak to you through your circumstances. You get that? Don't let your circumstances speak for God. But let God speak to you through your circumstances. Esther could have said, you know what? My life stinks. Good luck to you, Mordecai. I'm not going to risk it. And I'm just going to be here. And I'm just going to do what I'm told. And I'm sorry for you all. I'm going to roll the dice and I'm going to do my best to make it through. That's not what she said. She prayed and every circumstance that she had brought her to that moment to decide what she was going to do. Esther had to act. Esther knew that if she didn't act, her people would perish. Do you know if you refuse to share the gospel, people will die and go to hell? You know that, right? If you and I are too scared to share the gospel, to share Jesus with people, and to be in a church that furthers the gospel, people will die and go to hell. There are lives at stake. When you and I are called to take risks for God, we are not promised a rosy outcome. But you know what? Neither was Esther. We only know that whatever happens, God is with us. So if we go all in with God and choose to follow Him regardless of the outcome, there is always a possibility of real loss. But we must prepare ourselves for God's work. I go back again and see where it says, Esther instructed her people and Mordecai's people to begin fasting and praying 
for three days. And I'll tell it to you like this. You will never, never, ever, never, ever understand God's work in your life if you're too lazy to read the Bible and pray. We learned that from Esther. If not, she could have just let her circumstances talk to her. We'll, we'll pick up the story next time. But in conclusion, I would say there's three things to remember. You may feel like God is silent, but God is working. God is in control. We have our part to play, and we win in the end. That's right. God, I don't know where people are tonight as far as you and, and their walk with you, but I understand this. You are at work. And if there is anyone here tonight that doubted that, I pray that because of your word and the model that Esther has made, that they see that that's not the case. You're always at work. We just don't know the outcome yet. But Lord, as I look back on my life, and the good and the bad and the ugly, I've always ended up on the better side with you than when I tried to do it myself. So Lord, thank you for this night. Thank you for this word. And if anybody has a prayer request, may they come and share it before they leave. And Lord, we just thank you for this worship service tonight. For it's in your name we pray. Amen.